Hello, welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter. For this episode, we got to spend time with the multi-talented artist, Lido Pimienta. She is absolutely amazing. And of course, I recommend her music. While you're listening to this episode, though, she would love if you check out the GoFundMe that she started to help support families in Colombia. It is called the Solidarity Fund for Vulnerable Families, Colombia, and it is linked in the podcast description. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy our interview. Welcome to Why Not Both, where we've like sort of mastered technology, maybe. <laughs> it's okay, though. At least we have that. Exactly. It's been, I've got to say, it's been such a privilege during this time to be able to actually talk to people. And, and it's like I'm hanging out in my living room, but I get to hang out everywhere in the world and meet people. So I'm like, you know, not so bad. This is very true. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, what have you been up to? Normally, I start the podcast asking like what it is you do and what's a better question to ask. But during quarantine times, I'm like, it's free form. How's it going? You know, it's been pretty good. I am someone who enjoys being home. So that's a good thing for me. Of course, we just released an album. So we want to be on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer of nothing forced is ever good. So I'm just embracing every opportunity that I do have. Luckily, you know, I had already shot um, a few music videos and I had, a, you know, I had prepared a few assets. Mm-hmm. But right now, um, I'm in the middle of renovating my music and my art studio. When Rona started officially, I just started painting more. And um, now I'm like, you know what? I am not going to go on tour at all for a year. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let me just take everything out of the boxes. So <laughs> we're like cutting wood right now. I'm like, I'm in a little room right now, like trying to, for you to have good sound. But like, if I move slightly over there, you're going to hear a saw popping. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to fundraise money for uh, families in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, families of musicians and traditional musicians in Colombia. So that's been something that I've been trying to do pretty, um, yeah, just trying to, just trying to help as much as I can while I'm, you know, cutting wood. Yes. Yes. And that's, it's a strange thing, like being, being isolated in a way, but also connected that you can help, even though you're like, yeah, I'm in my art and music studio cutting wood, but I'm also helping people. That's, I mean, that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to interview is I saw that you did so much social activism and balancing that with creativity. I was just like, that takes, that takes a lot of effort. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that takes a lot of energy. Well, you know, for me, I just see it as I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moms are extra with it. So I'm just 
extra with it, you know, and um, I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky. I have a wonderful partner. So he just lets me do, you know, not like he has to give me permission to do anything, but it's like I freely can go and plan my day and know that I have somebody that will help me and share the responsibilities, not just like, oh, well, you're the mother, so your job is to do this and this and that, you know? So that's really good, you know, because like a lot of my friends are actually breaking up (laughs) 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 because they've together for so long and they just are realizing like, actually, uh, we're not a match. Um, So that's been really good for me too, just to like, you know, reiterate, you know, I actually have um, a good partner and that has made me realize, you know, how much more that I can do, you know, because I feel that too, like as a mom and someone who cares and has this mother energy that wants to mm-hmm. care of other people that sometimes I don't even know my own potential. So mm-hmm. to be, to, um, just sit down and have to be in the same place for a while. It really helps you understand and see how much more you can help, but also how what what you're capable of. So that's that's where I'm at right now in terms of, you know, helping out, but also working out working on my own art, um, writing new music, all of this the things, and and telling myself, you know, this really is something that you were born to do, and this is something that you can do. And, um, and that you should absolutely be doing. Um, so just with that realization, I, um, I'm, I'm just blessed and I just keep, uh, just creating cause that's what makes me the most, um, happy and whole. Well, and it sounds like by feeding that part of yourself, then you're able to give of that like mother energy, like you talked about and that you have a teammate that's on your side. That's like, yep, I got your back. Surrounded by wonderful, wonderful people that want to see me win and be happy. So. Yeah. Well, and then you can translate that to helping other people. Like, mm-hmm. and when you were talking about fundraising for families in Colombia, like, is there a way that we could find that so I could link to it on the podcast so other people can get on board? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I was talking to Kathleen Hanna, who's doing Teas for Togo, that, like, also, same thing where I linked on here, that it makes me so happy to know that even though it's so strange. It's like almost having the physical constraint of not being able to go somewhere. We've all been getting really creative of, well, how can we actually help other people? Yeah. I, I love Kathleen Hanna. They, they've been really supportive of me. It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it's interesting because she mentioned a similar thing where she's been doing a lot of like physical crafting and what you're talking about, like rearranging your space. I find that at the very least for me, that definitely changes my process. Like when I rearrange my artistic space, it kind of, it loosens things up a bit. Like it makes me think about what I'm creating in a different way because now my environment's different. Be productive if your space is crap. Like you need to, I was thinking about that today about, you know, this, um, preconception of I mean not just like the cliche of the starving artist but also like there is this misconstruct I don't even know what to say but there's this idea that artists are dirty disorganized and that and that in that mayhem they thrive you know but to me it's the opposite and I feel like for most of us 
you know, there's there's a there's a difference between being a productive artist and and um and and a depressed artist. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, like I feel like there are, for sure there must be a very prolific out artist that's very successful out there that thrives on that random mess. But for me, you know, there's something very spiritual about giving reverence to a space, a clean space and a clean um, mind where you can really get into your power um, through art, you know, but it can't, it can't happen for me if things are dirty and out of place, mm -hmm. like things really need to be clean so that I feel like I'm breathing and then I can really be my best self. Well, that way you can expand into it. Like what you're describing, I relate to very much. Like if my space is, I don't mind if it's like, I, I would say I'm a clean, but not always tidy person. Like occasionally I'll have like a sweater over a chair or things like that. Like mm -hmm. that I can tolerate. But if it's almost like when it reaches a capacity where there's too many things that might distract me in my space, it's like mm -hmm. I can't focus on tuning into creative thoughts if I'm like, ugh. I have to, I have to clean the dishes. <laughs> I'm like, they're calling to me. I must do them. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like it detracts from what I'm supposed to be focusing on, which is like, oh, how can I tune into what I'm working on expressing? Yeah, absolutely. And that's fascinating that you turned to painting. I'm so curious. I'm like, are you painting on canvas? Are you painting on wood? Like what, what are you working with? Well, I do have a whole other um, artistic practice. Uh, I am a ceramist and a printmaker, bookbinder. Uh, yeah, so I make a lot of stuff. I uh, when Rona started, I actually we ordered blank vinyl, mm -hmm. uh, or like like blank uh, covers, because the vinyl came with my songs. So I we ordered a bunch of the records with blank covers, and I painted. A limited edition vinyl cover series Ooh. that's gonna take me okay we order a hundred it's gonna take me like a week to paint them because mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, I thought this is gonna take a month and then we'll be back on the road so you know it was a lot of like hope and dreams and crafts and art energy and those <laughs> and we're still there uh, <laughs> that and I did a, a whole like ceramic series of medallions and things and that's what I'm doing right now I'm just like we're gonna get a kiln in the studio Ooh. so I'm just based on everything because yeah this is my um I, I just need to be creating creating all the time you know and sometimes I don't really feel like singing sometimes I don't really feel like making music I mean I'm always making it at some point I'm always making it but mm -hmm. you don't really always feel like sitting at the computer and looking at a screen. Sometimes I want to draw, sometimes I want to write, you know. I'm I'm learning how to write scripts because I have all these ideas for a TV series and I'm just all over the place. I love Great. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place creatively, really, yeah. That's like the whole thesis of the podcast is like, why do we feel like we're supposed to be limited to one thing? Like if anything, it's like the other things that then fuel probably the messages in your music. Like if you just only did music, it would yes, be name. For sure. I mean, I see myself as an angel. Like I am an angel. I'm full of light. I have this beautiful uh creative artistic energy. Um I am a channel. 
I help people um, communicate with their own soul. Um, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I'm always making fun of my friends. Like I call them that they're hippie because they really know about like astrology, but like low key, high key, I am, <laughs> you know, um, but I can really recognize myself. I really recognize myself as an angel and I, and I see myself as, as a, a star, you know, and like, I'm, you know, but not star in like the mainstream way, but star in that I know that I am made of stardust. Yes. Just like humans, we are made of stardust. So yes. when you really um, hone into your art, when you really um, realize this artistic potential and how you can um, invite other people into um, your own soul, that's a great power, you know? And like, I really, you know, like people, um, there's a lot of talk about like time traveling, what's gonna happen, we can time travel. And, and I was like, I feel like music has been teaching us how to time travel, you mm. know? So you listen to music um, from when you were a child, you know, um, it takes you back there, right? So I think about that a lot, especially I'm, I'm writing this thing, where I'm thinking about those songs that like awaken different things of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I really, you really time travel with music, you know? So um, I think that's a beautiful power. And so that makes me feel like I am a bridge between mm -hmm. generations, between people, uh, between feelings, between angst, between rage. Um, all of our rages and all of our vulnerabilities um so yeah I don't know where I would be without art you know like I really don't know how people who are not creative do it you know <laughs> and, and 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 also like when you see you know tra tragedies with like young very young people that kill other people you know or you know or, or when adults you know Mm, kill other human beings mm -hmm. mm, I can tell you know it's just like this person didn't have a creative outlet you right. know this person didn't have any other healthy ways of releasing that of that pain or letting go of that hate yeah. um so that's that's where 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 I come from and I also I don't know why you know I'm really young but I, I always feel like I only have five years left on earth <laughs> so I need to do everything. So that's also like another reason why I know um, that I need to be productive and prolific, you know, like being prolific to me has a very deep meaning and I want to leave a legacy behind me and I want to leave something for my children mm. and I want to be um, a, a synonym to greatness and love and spirit and hope and that can only happen if I go hard and uh with um as as I do you know I just mm -hmm. I just all the time you know so well, yeah when you said that we're made of stars it sounds like you are doing what a star does which is stars explode um they supernova and that's why we have I was reading an article that a lot of the calcium on our planet and in our bones and in our teeth comes from exploded stars um so that's how you leave a legacy is you have to explode. <laughs> yes. Explode. <laughs> exactly. And so that kind of 
That's a beautiful energy that you talked about in time traveling through music, because it does bring you back to listen to songs from your childhood or even songs from different points of your life. And I was reflecting even on like songs that I can hear in my head when you said that. And I was, I was curious what songs are particularly like meaningful for you in that way. Well, any song that is by artists like Joy Arroyo or Celia Cruz, you know, those anthems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, unifying for um, my diaspora, like when I was growing up in Colombia, that's very important songs to me, you know, but also lullabies are very mm -hmm. important to me because I am a mom and the, I've been able to teach my children language through song and it all starts with those lullabies you know yeah. and I don't remember I don't know how and I think it's because I when I sing to my children when I sing these lullabies to my children it's because I'm I mean because I want them to go to sleep but <laughs> I, I also hope that in that memory and in that repetition the memory or the time traveling experience happens where I can hear my mother singing those to me because I know for a fact that my mom doesn't know all those songs. So I'm like, who mm -hmm. was the person who was teaching me so many lullabies? Because my mom, when she hears me singing to my kids, she's like, where'd you learn that one? I don't know that one. <laughs> you know, like that's so strange. So yeah, I mean, like, those are the songs that, that, that take me back. Of course, there's always, again, back to this thing that I'm writing. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> to, uh, I don't want to miss a thing by uh, Aerosmith. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> like, I was in junior high when I was listening to that. And the reason why I remember, the, it's not like I love the song, but in Colombia, in Barranquilla, the song was very popular. So everyone in my class, of course, they knew that I could sing. So they would be like, Lito, please, please, this song, please. <laughs> I would say, you know, and then like all this, uh, my classroom would just like gather around me and they would just like, you know, sway back and forth and like singing the song and like, you know, so like it was so strange because like I didn't have the best time at school, but mm -hmm. every moment that I had was because of music or because of my mm -hmm. artwork. When the kids weren't bullying me, where my kids were really respected and looked up to me because they were like, oh, this weirdo, she can really sing. Those are the songs that it's just like, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to like redeem my, my childhood and my, my, I don't know, pre-teen years. I don't know. <laughs> so much cultural memory and songs when you spoke of the diaspora of living in one place as a child and then being in another place as an adult and carrying some of those cultural memories with you through song, even when your mom wasn't the one who sang them to you. Like mm -hmm. that is a form of time travel and it is a way to stay connected to different generations and to pass on to future generations. Like uh, there's a word for it and I'm blanking on the name of it that we like encode memories in our genes. Like they're researching how we remember things genetically. And mm -hmm. 
And <laughs> I was like, artistic expression is such a huge part of that. Like there are certain melodies that I hear that just feel like they just feel correct somehow. Like they feel like in alignment. And I'm sure that there must've been times when I heard them as a child that just feel like, oh, that's, that's my melody. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, oh, I was like, I feel bad that kids were mean to you unless you were singing, but I'm also like, that I, I like that you at least had that redeeming moment of being like, I can sing this Aerosmith song and now you'll respect me. <laughs> yeah, it was that, it was the Spice Girls or the other band, I forget their name, but nobody knows it, but you have a secret smile and you use it only for me. You remember that song? Oh my gosh. Right? So yes. that song, I don't know why they played it so much and you know this is like everyone's like a preteen everyone's like this mm-hmm. and all that stuff and they would just be like oh can you sing the song can you sing this and I'm like okay so that's why I know all those songs so much because I would have to sing them over and over <laughs> and then um of course now you know like all the kids that I went to school they're like I knew that you were gonna be somebody one day and I'm like yeah 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 thanks <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I wonder if they have it I found my in in quarantine times I found some of my old journals and there was actually a note in like my seventh grade journal talking about how I thought that Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be famous and I was like cool cool at, at least I got one <laughs> very <Yeah>. good <laughs> Because I was like, he was a few grades ahead of me, and I thought he was really dreamy because it was the 90s. Um, But I was right. Like, 12-year-old me was totally right. (laughs) Wow. Well, hopefully you run into him in the streets. Right? And just be like, hey, totally believe in you. my journal. (laughs) I predict the future. Exactly. Exactly. Just call me Nostradamus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, what is your relationship with, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, like being from one culture and moving to another culture, like what is your relationship with being of two cultures? Like that, I'm trying to imagine what that would be like, basically swapping it up and being like, how do I, how am I in both worlds? Well, I just come to terms with, you know, living a hyphenated existence um and it comes with I guess the training really begins when you learn another language you know mm-hmm. and the brain is just going back and forth and back and forth um and often I forget to say things in one language and I can only say it in the other language and it's very confusing but that's what it is you know um you just you just learn how to exist and you make yourself whole with knowing that you have all this culture um, to be inspired by and to be drawn by and to be um, clear with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the complexities behind all of the blood that runs through me is the, only way that somebody like me could survive because I I have so many dreams and I have so many visions and I, I see so much all the time and I know 
that if I was only if I was only one thing, it wouldn't really make any sense, and I would doubt mm-hmm. myself and think that there must be something off with my with myself that I have all these visions and all these ideas and all the things that I want to do all the time, but I know that it's a gift that mm-hmm. I have being um from here and from over there and sometimes from nowhere right you know? that's another thing is like to be to have all this culture but also there's something really real about not feeling like you belong yeah I, yeah so I, I i also you know i live in canada and uh, i cannot say that i'm canadian and then I go to Colombia, but I also cannot say that I'm Colombian because my family is indigenous. Right. You know, like, but then if I go to my indigenous side and I tell them that, well, I am only indigenous, they're going to be like, wait, no, you're Colombian. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be like, <laughs> like that thing. And some would even say, well, you're, you're Canadian, you know? And then I'm going to be like, well, if you talk to Canadians, Canadians don't even know what their own culture is. So we're really fucked. <laughs> that's what it's like that's what it's like it's yeah it's it's a lot of a lot and a lot of nothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah when when hearing you speak of it 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 sounded like uh basically in my mind I thought of when you were talking about speaking different languages because languages are so specific to culture and that there are certain things that it's almost like you wouldn't have the words for it in one culture to the other and so you need yeah. specific words in different languages for those cultures, but then you yeah. would need them in the other. So I would imagine that occasionally there'd be like, there'd be like a blank space where you're like, oh, I want the word for that, but there's no word for that. Yeah. I mean, there's word, there's also expression, mannerisms, like there's so much that it's just like, I don't know, like at the same time, you also can connect with people through very unusual Unusual to the mainstream things, like for instance, you know, my family, I mean, I thought that everybody used to, I I thought that everybody did this, but when I first moved to Canada Mm -hmm. and I started high school here um, and people would ask me for something, I would point, but with my mouth. Oh. And people were so confused. Like I'm like in a, in London, Ontario, Canada, it's like very white little city in in Ontario. (laughs) And I'm pointing with my mouth and they're looking at me like, are you trying to blow me a kiss? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I'm pointing with my mouth, which is like what we do in Colombia. Like my family would point their mouth. It was only until I, when I met my indigenous friends or native friends, you know, First Nations mm-hmm. here in Canada, mm-hmm. that someone doing the same thing, pointing with their mouth that I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> thank you and they're like looking at me like what happened like what happened here what did I do (laughs) what is it with your mouth I'm like what do you mean you don't do it I'm like that's what I do but when I first did it it's it's like just stuff like that that it's like oh all right okay 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 it's like a like code switching where you're just like oh that's oh you don't know what I'm doing there okay but you know what I'm doing there And I mean, I came, I came here, you know, old enough, but also not mature enough mm. to understand what so code switching was or even understand any of it. So, but it's, it gets easier, of course, it gets easier with time. 
Yeah, and I was listening to your music while I was, There's, there's got to be something sparkly about your music. I was taking a walk before I interview while listening to your album, and I kid you not, like multiple people stopped me to say hello, which was interesting because I was wearing my earbuds and a mask and sunglasses, so I looked like the elephant man, um, but like <laughs> multiple people like said hi, and like I would take out my earbud, I'm like, uh, what? And they were like, oh, hi, and I was like, hi? And like, I don't know if it's just that it was interesting because I was feeling, I was feeling really enlivened while walking and listening to your songs. And I understand some Spanish, but I'm not a Spanish speaker. And so there was, there were moments where I was just like, oh, I, I, I want to look up the lyrics because I want to understand more of what the song is. But I also, I, I guess, was just really feeling the vibe of the songs. <laughs> and, well, that's what I told you too. I am an angel after all. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to it because I could feel, I could feel what you were talking about. And that's, you know, it's interesting when I listen to songs that are not in a language that I necessarily speak, because I'm like, oh, this is going to be a different experience than if it's in a language that I, that I am going to understand the lyrics to. And I, I find that I listen to it far differently because I'm listening for like, well, what are the emotional cues? Like it's pure emotional cues. As yeah, being like, yeah. I was wondering, do you write lyrics in multiple languages and do you dream in multiple languages? Like when I talk to people who are multilingual, I'm always curious what their main form of expression and like unconscious expression is. I definitely do dream in different languages. Mm. Sometimes I dream in French, which is really weird. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, yeah, like if, if I watch, I, I watch a lot of foreign films. So I think I'm sh pretty sure that's why. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just n recently I started writing songs in English. Hmm. As a to myself, as a, and also I accidentally wrote a full on song for Ricky Reed, which is going to be in his next album. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that I was writing a song for like Billie Eilish or Alicia Cara, one of those people. Mm -hmm. But then, no, you're going to be in the album with this song in English. <laughs> so that was, that was interesting. Um, and the song is <laughs> very extremely hopeful and happy and beautiful. And I don't feel like that's what I do in my own music. So oh. it's... Oh, um, I'm like, okay, I should challenge myself more and see what else can I write. But yeah, I shouldn't be afraid of it anymore. Yeah, I'm so curious what would what would come out like I think of like how Bjork tends to write in English. And I yeah, think that, yeah, like I, that just popped in my head. I was just like, huh, like there are certain artists where, you know, obviously like the English is spoken in Iceland as well, but it's like there's such a nuance to the Icelandic language as I'm learning more of it that, you know, is different than the English language. And I was like, oh, I wonder why she chooses to write lyrics in English. Like what informs, like you said, that like that kind of like wild optimism and like hope somehow translated to being in English. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I don't write in English because I don't want to, I would love to be able to write a full-on album in English as mm -hmm. my project, but um, I need to learn how to nail nuance in English, mm -hmm. which so I don't know how to do that yet because 
in Spanish, the things that I talk about, you know, I sing mostly poems. Mm-hmm. I make sense and they sound really good when um, read out loud. Mm-hmm. But if I were to do what I do or the lyrics or say what I want to say in English, it would sound like, oh, it would sound like, I don't know, like um, amateur poetry <laughs> writer class, you know, after school program for mature students. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would not be good, you know? So um, when I wrote this song for Ricky, I, I, I guess because I was imagining what somebody like Alessia Cara or Billie Eilish, what something that they would be singing, I got myself into their role or I, oh. I felt like, so I put myself into their position mm-hmm. and that write the song and it sounds nice. You know, it's not oh. something that I would write or for me, for me. Right. right. But now I'm trapped. So you'll see it. And there's yeah. a video for everything that'll come out eventually. So <laughs> I love that now I'm trapped. And so you'll have to witness this great music. <laughs> yeah. I hope. Uh, but no, you mentioned that like writing for other people, you could get into different characters almost. And that's interesting to me that those characters then when you're like, oh, if I'm writing as Billie Eilish, then I can write in English because you're that character. And I was like, yeah, I wonder what characters you could access like as yourself, like if there's parts of yourself that you could access as different characters. I have to wait and see and I have to try it. Yeah. You know? when you don't find a need for it, you don't go to those places. But now that I for sure, for sure want to live in Toronto and that I want to buy a house in the downtown area or, or mm-hmm. well, the West I live, um, I need to get into this game. I actually started a, a, car, a, a, a folder and it says uh, writing for someone else. Hmm. And, song that I wrote for Beyonce and I have a song that I wrote for Rihanna Ooh, you know I'll work on those more and I when they're ready I'll I'll send them and see you never know if they'll like them but for me that's what I have to do in order to write a song that makes sense mm. in English is getting myself into the psyche of another artist you know, studying what they do and then bringing elements that I think they're going to like. And that's, I think it's the curator in me because mm-hmm. that's like actual, uh, that's my actual degree in life is uh, a curator. Mm-hmm. So in terms of sound and writing for other people, there's a lot of, you know, curatorial practices um, that I do when it comes to, you know, what other people might like. And uh, it's working out. Because well, and, and yeah. I'm glad it's now because you know um I really want to be able to continue to work um in this way of writing and collaborating with other folks. I was gonna say it's almost like kind of like a metaphysical collaboration where you're tuning into like who that person is because mm-hmm. when you're writing for someone else, like it's so personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I mean, how often are you finding yourself writing for other artists these days? I will say half and half. Yeah. Um, half and half because I'm writing my record. Um, 
I'm writing like an anniversary record of my first ever attempt at a solo career, oh. uh, which is going to turn 10 years in September of this year. Wow. So I'm writing those songs, like rearranging them, mm-hmm. but I'm also at seven songs in, se- actually nine songs now uh, that I wrote for a next record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I am writing songs for other bands that have asked me to be on their records mm-hmm. and other producers. So that's also really good because it gives me a break from myself, you know, yeah. like I, always, <laughs> I love, love Enya, but there's something that I find strange about Enya is that she only listens to her own music. Um, and she only listens, to, yeah, she only listens to herself and she lives like in a castle somewhere. I was going to say, the more I learn about Enya, the more fascinated I am. Because like I knew that yeah. she lived in like a castle with her cat. Yeah. And, like produces yeah. her music. But I didn't know that she only listened to she her. She only to like her own stuff. You know, like her and her crew. They have a very, that that's why, you know, this is a conscious decision. You know, it's like she yeah. is making very extremely unique music. And that it's coming just from her imagination. I mean, she's putting herself through this torture, right. you know. I feel like not being able to listen to music would be very torturous. But maybe this is just what she says, just to keep um, the enigma of Enya, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, <laughs> happening. That was a great night, so you, <laughs> you know, I, I'm like traumatized. You know, 2020 is already horrible, but. You know, Nickelback decided that they're gonna make it even more horrible, and they're gonna bring or drop something new on Friday. But <laughs> like, fuck, like I, mean, I, should, I should tweet that right now. Just be like, fuck, like really, Nickelback. Like, I much rather have another Anya record than have <laughs> again. You know. What I mean, I, mean like, I personally, I. I have never been more flattered than when someone called me the millennial Enya. I was like, <laughs> bless you. Thank you. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. Like, she's amazing. I, I, she's fascinating. That, I, would be, that would be really great if I get an email from Enya being like, do you want to come to my castle? <laughs> That's like the dream. Instead of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's Enya inviting her to your castle. Exactly. Like that would- <laughs> so fantastic i'd be like i'm allergic to cats i will take every antihistamine to go to your castle <laughs> that is my, yeah, like sell away sell away sell away like that is my jam it's so strange but so beautiful so yes yeah it's i like, really hope she drops an, an album i really i really hope she does that would be that would be a bright spot in 2020. I feel like, I feel like we're all looking for those moments where we're like, is there, is there a glimmer somewhere in here? Like just a, just a little, little something, anything, <laughs> like, anything we can hold on to. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, we can. Nice. Oh my gosh, and that's. I'm glad to hear that you're creating in the midst of that. And I feel like though creatives, especially at the beginning, I don't know if you felt this way, that there was this odd pressure to like frantically create almost because people were like oh we're in lockdown like let's live stream every day and then after a few weeks everyone was like well this is exhausting (laughs) it was overwhelming I did a a little like funny IG story where I was like there's too many IG live live quote-unquote shows yeah many 
dirty laundry in the background, too many <laughs> dirty dishes that I don't need to see. I don't need to see your house. I don't need to see your feet. Like, keep it to yourself. Like, have some to like when people ask me to do the live thing, it's so humiliating. Like, I cannot. Like, we had, I don't know, two or three shows, and any time that I had to do a show, I was vomiting. I was like, Oh, I cannot handle the humiliation. I cannot <laughs> this so bad. And like you've worked so hard, finally get some good videos out there. Finally, like clean up your act, you know. And then it's like eh, going back to pixelated image, baby. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, really, really. I don't like it. I don't like it. But some people do. I mean, there's a big chunk of us artists that are huge narcissists. So. <laughs> It's like, oh, now I have a great excuse to be online even more. Even more. My collection of, I don't know what the hell, you know, like people just really like to put themselves out there and talk every two seconds, you know. And it really is a testament of how not insecure, but lonely people really are, you know. Yeah, I think that this has related that. I don't have that kind of time to be online all the time you know and I have to push for my album so I have I do feel a pressure to be like hey here I am help me help me pay my all my debts I mean some people don't have anything to push and they're all all the time they're just like don't you have a life like but no. for some people online their life you know so true and there's also, there's like, when you were talking about all the things that you're doing, it's like, without all of those things, like, what is your, you know, what is your art about? And even like Enya has her life in her castle with her cats, like, and that in a way, like, is what her art is about. Whereas it's like, I guess I have difficulty uh, empathizing, well, not empathizing, I have difficulty understanding where that wellspring of emotion comes from if you're always on display. Like, if you're always chatting online, if you're always like, in a way performing it's like there has to be something that fuels that performance and there has to be something that inspires you to write that in the first place and is it those interactions on like ig live or like where does that come from because it sounds like you have like a very rich like inner life and also find a lot of purpose that helps you then express yourself like you're not just talking on ig about your dirty laundry and your feet which i'm sure some no. of love <laughs> you know, i do everything with intention so when I am on IG live or any of the live things that I want to do, it's because I'm doing some, something cool, you know, and one of the good things that have happened um, in COVID era, you know, I mean, the flip side, like the good side of this overly doing it with online interaction is that, you know, me and my friends who are very strong, badass women, we have decided to share more like playlists that only feature music made by women and mm -hmm. and and female or women identifying folk mm -hmm. and we um you know are having like really deep conversations you know it's just like it, i like the feature of like you only have an hour you know and then instagram kicks you out you know like that's pretty yes. cool um i think it's really nice that we are having those conversations and we're getting to know one another like that like you were saying earlier you know like you perhaps in a different context we wouldn't really be talking right now you know like right. maybe that 
usually I remember I got a lot of interviews, but a lot of it were just like documents. A lot of it get like 10 questions and then I have to write it. And then my management sends it, sends it to the, to the source. But now I find that I'm talking so much with people from all around the world. Um, And when it comes to my own social media, like absolutely like, on the 18th of this month yeah some uh this wonderful like festival slash like group in in chile they're like we're gonna talk on ig and talk about like what it's you know what it's like for for me right Mm now um so that's really great and then i want to talk to this rapper in toronto her name is sidani and uh, she's hilarious online you know and like there's another woman called um, like she goes by bad dominicana mm-hmm. it's hilarious too and um you know like i've followed her and she's followed me but we've never really had the chance to like go deep into you know things that we share and now yeah. it's like this perfect time you know so i feel like you know i mean something always has to give and especially when you're someone with this kind of energy and this kind of life that i have a lot of people come to my life but also leave you know mm-hmm. but then there's another group of new people that come into my life and I and those are blessings to me so I feel like that that's where I'm, I'm at this point where you know in the last two months I lost people but due to our current circumstance I've also earned you know respect and love um for other people or, mm-hmm. or other people have given me that respect and I'm, and I'm, and I'm giving it back. So, um, that's, that's, that, that's where I'm at right now. And, and it's very hopeful. And I think the only thing that I'm missing that I hope that would happen is that instead of having to send kids back home or back to school, you know, cause I have to worry about these things is that they just make education through TV that's um, brilliant you know like um not everyone has cable like we don't have cable we actually we just bought a tv for the first time like, my son we've we've lived without a tv for 12 years you know mm-hmm. so but I, well we don't have cable like it's basically like a giant screen where we like you know airdrop stuff yeah. <laughs> and, like, airplay stuff you know like it's not right it's a, it's a giant screen you know Right. But um, we we would be really good if on the channels that everyone gets to see by just plugging in that giant screen, that you are able to learn a curriculum that is approved by government, da 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 da, da all the whatever whatever red tape, blah blah blah. But um, that, that that's the only you know. It's like I will volunteer, you know, if if you know we can have every person in the neighborhood they can volunteer like if because there's you know out of 10 people two can stay home right and they, I was gonna say, so you can trade off you know and then your kids can stay at my house and you know or even you know there's so many ways that it can it can happen it can really work because I'm, I'm really worried about sending my son to to school so yeah uh, that's pretty much the only thing that I feel like we're still lacking and I think it's because we don't really take children seriously. But um, anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> I was going to say it's, you know, like uh, you said several things that I want to touch on. And like one of them is that issue of 
like, how do we express cultural values? And I agree with you because the same thing is happening in the U.S. that people are talking about sending children back to schools and already there have been spikes in cases, obviously, because it's an airborne illness. Um, mm-hmm. And so it really does show the priorities of a culture based on where they put their resources. And I think that that's a brilliant workaround is like, you know, most people have televisions because I I had thought about that in Los Angeles as well, about that there is such like a wealth divide here that there are people who can very easily access technology so that they're able to access online curriculum. And then there's people who, who won't be able to do that, that normally would go to the library or things like that to access yeah. that kind of technology. And also that there are people who can afford to take the time off to do, now they're doing this thing at LAUSD where it's like, I think it's four or five hours of mandatory school a day, but say you're a working parent. You can't type, you can't somehow like manifest another four hours in your day to teach your child online because most kids aren't going to sit there for four to five hours. Most adults wouldn't sit there for four to five hours of online instruction. Go to work because you want to go to work. But if your company has a break room or a conference room or whatever that's already not really in use, right? then you can bring your kids to school and put them in front of a TV and have them be with their books and read and then they're done when you're done. Exactly. Exactly. Not difficult. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like my son can be home. So I am looking into the possibilities of homeschooling. Yeah. But he can stay home. Both of us, me and my baby daddy, we are home. Right. So we that you know but a lot of my friends they have to go to work and what are they going to do with their kids you know yeah and that's that's the tricky part but if you can take them to work you don't have to worry about it exactly or if you can collaborate that was the next thing that I was thinking of is like to collaborate and to have that kind of community resource that that I find I I've never been to Toronto so I don't know what the culture is there but I know that in the U.S. right now, it's like the culture is so individualistic that that's what's harming us. Like that's because there's no communal aspect. There's no like what I do affects other people and what they do affects me. It's like people have this illusion that like our actions don't affect each other when they in fact dramatically do. Um, and so it's like if people had more of a communal aspect where it's like where you knew your neighbors, where you knew that like your kids could work together and like that that was, you know, say Tuesdays was your day to like have the kids over for school and then that yeah. you just rotate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, there's so much, there's so much and like I, you know, like not, you, you don't, you can't really trust everyone with your kids. Right. But so. I just feel like if this government can afford like a 3D printer, washing machine, microwave, shotgun for the police, uh, you know, if they can come up with this like high tech, whatever, drone, um, artillery for for police, you know, um, which are people that don't have big IQ anyways like if you have that money then you can definitely have you know staff yes to watch the kids while parents are working in your place of work yep and then you don't have to worry about sending your kids to nobody's house you know because it is I mean I would take care of my friend's kids no problem 
Right. But there's a lot of kids out there that are just a bunch of brats that I don't want in my house. <laughs> <laughs> the work, love them, but you know, like, like, have you met kids? <laughs> no discipline, and I am not about to get into a fight with no parent out there. Oh, so, it is could be very easy by just oh you gotta go to work. Yep. Bring on, bring your daughter, bring your kids. We'll turn on the TV and give them popcorn. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, like you know how happy my son would be. Like he'd be like, "This is great." And you spoke to something else that you know. I think that the pandemic is definitely revealing of almost like when people are in your life for a season and then it's like the season changes and it sounds like you just had like a seasonal change where like new people are coming into your life and you are making these new connections based on where you're at. Um, yeah. And that even when you were saying earlier that like a lot of people have been breaking up, like um, my day job is that I'm a therapist and I, I have seen so many quarantine breakups now, like <laughs> doing yeah. like my friends and my clients and like, I think it's really highlighting that it's almost like we were forced to see that there's like a season that's ended and that now a new one has begun and there are certain things that we used to tolerate and that we used to put up with and that now we simply like don't. Yeah. Um, but I see that much like you said, I see that as a good thing when like, cause it's like when you've grown, sometimes there are people who have to exit your life. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's what they should be actually teaching in school. That's what they should be teaching in school. It's just like today we're going to talk about people. Yeah. <laughs> have now are not going to be with you forever, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And people coming in and out and that's totally okay and you then know. some people some people will change with you and some people won't mm -hmm. um and accepting that and like being even being open to like the new artistic uh connections that it sounds like you were making I was like oh my god those all sound awesome it's <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm excited to see where those go um because I've been feeling similarly where it's like you know I did not anticipate talking to I, I've talked to now like over 50 people in half a year didn't see that one coming yeah. <laughs> yeah. trust <laughs> and I'm like I'm on board for this ride I didn't I didn't see this ride on the horizon but I'm here for it <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot and it's gonna be like this for a while but yeah I liked a client said to me they were like they were like i they were expressing that they felt disappointed in themselves that they hadn't like adjusted better to Corona times. And I was like, well, even though it's technically like a new normal ish, it's a new normal. That's very weird. I'm like, and, and they were like, Oh, is it like walking in snow? And I said, how do you mean? And they said, well, when you first start walking in snow, it's like really awkward and you trip all over everything. And then like you get better at it but you're still walking in snow. Like it's still like challenging and you have to like sort out where your feet are going and it might be like up to your knees. And I was like, yes, that's a great analogy. <laughs> I was like, it gets more manageable, but you're never like, oh, this is just like walking on pavement. Like you're still walking through snow. <laughs> yeah, well, this, is, this is out of control, but we'll make it through. We'll make it through. We'll make it through and um, yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and at least, you know, like you were talking about, at least we are creating, and it sounds like you've been doing your 
damnedest to feel inspired. And that's really cool. I was thinking about like all the stuff that you just enumerated that you were making. And I was just like, I am so grateful that you are tapping into that expression and that I get to witness it basically. (laughs) Thank you. It's been so, so good. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially in the midst of uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.